you have to plan rest when you're an introvert. And that's one of the things that I teach. Like, like one of my nightly routines is looking at tomorrow's schedule and thinking like, well, I want to get a walk in because walking to me is, is a form of rest. Like it's moving meditation for me. So I'm like, well, where am I going to get that in tomorrow? Because I don't, I can't plan it out like a week in advance, just how things shift around. But so like, like these nightly routines I go through and I ask myself these questions like, okay, well, I have three meetings back to back to back tomorrow. So I need to get out. Like I need downtime after that. So it's taking these breaks and allowing yourself to decompress when you have that busy schedule that, that allows introverts to have energy, like at the end of the day to function well. Understanding the differences between introverts and extroverts has always been one of my favorite topics. I think it's because I really gain energy from being around a lot of people and processing out loud, and I absolutely crave complete aloneness and silence to replenish my energy. We can't wait to share with you today's conversation with Sarah Lewis. Sarah loves to empower introverted small business owners to use their personality to their advantage. As the founder of Introverts Emerge, she created a brand dedicated to the growth of introverted entrepreneurs. Through coaching and training, Sarah helps entrepreneurs put themselves out there, gain confidence, and grow their businesses successfully. She has written for multiple trade journals, including Idea Fitness Journal, Personal Fitness Professional, and SparkPeople.com. And when she's not coaching, you can find Sarah relaxing at home, walking her dog, or reading a good book. Welcome, Sarah, to the third place. We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging, empowering, and and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Today, two extroverts get to chat with one of my favorite introverts, Sarah Lewis. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. So you're the founder of a platform called Introverts Emerge, and we first met in this virtual world where you asked me to co-moderate a clubhouse room for a while where we could speak from our individual perspective, especially from being introverted or extroverted or even ambivert. And I feel like that's the perfect place to start. And I would love it if you would break down the difference between those three ways of being. Yeah. Yeah. So Clubhouse was great to, to meet you. And now we get to further that. So I, I love that we met online. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. So an introvert is, so I'd like to think of introvert versus extrovert as your energetic trait. Um, so an introvert is someone who gets their energy by being alone without much stimulation, that there's a lot of highly sensitive people, you know, that get too much stimulation and that drains them. A lot of introverts, as you guys know, are highly sensitive people. So, but introverts, like if there's a big social gathering or even a, a small social gathering with a few people, but then it goes on and on and on for hours. Like if your family is visiting for a weekend, like me, I can speak for myself, but I'm sure a lot of introverts will just be completely 
dead by like that Sunday evening when the guests leave <laughs> because it's just been like so much socializing and all the pressures of hosting on top of that as well. So extroverts, on the other hand, I can't speak to that personally, but I think extroverts and you guys can confirm this <laughs> um, would be like, woohoo, by that Sunday night when the guests leave because it's a lot of interaction and stimulation and your energy gets filled up with that type of activity. I actually get a mild depression when things <laughs> end. I'm not kidding. I told my my family this recently when we have a big like weekend, concentrated weekend together, and then it ends like I have a little bit of a depressive episode. And I have to really like nurture myself after the fact because I'm like, where am I going to get my energy from? <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm really um, curious to hear about ambivert because – I used to think I was an introvert, then a lot of people in every test I took said I was an extrovert. But at the end of that weekend, I'm like, okay, good. Everybody's gone. And I definitely got energy from it. But I'm also ready for that little bit of a break to kind of unwind and relax. Yeah. And I think the ambiverts are just kind of that middle ground. You're going to have a, a lean towards one or the other. But it's so hard to fit us all in one box, right. like one versus the other. And I think all these different personalities you can take, like the assessments you can take, like Enneagram or Myers-Briggs, or uh, we talked about this, Mary, on Clubhouse one day, all the various personality tests you can take. There's never just one that fits you like perfectly. Like even the Enneagram, like you have these wings, like you're an Enneagram one for me, for example, but then you have these wings where I'm a wing four or five. So it's like, you can't just fit into these one boxes, but ambiverts, maybe like you, David, well, yeah, like you'll need some alone time. So you may like shift into your introvertedness at that point, but be more extroverted at other times. Well, one of the things that uh, I often hear is that our world is built for extroverts. And it's almost like how left-handed people feel that like you have to adjust to a right-handed world. Is that true in your experience? And, and if so, like, how does an introvert respond to that? I think it really comes down to confidence with them. It's knowing that you have physical needs to function in your daily life. And you know that there's going to be a lot of job responsibilities and family responsibilities and, you know, doing all the hundreds of things that are asked of us every day, making the decisions every day. So you have to have the confidence to say, like, I've had all this responsibilities put on me, so I need to schedule alone time. I need to have my alone time. You know, we call it an extroverted world because there's a lot of noise. Social media is a part of that. So, yeah, I feel like when, when you're a confident introvert, you can say, like, you can stand up for yourself and say, I need my alone time. Yeah, well, and I've never thought about that in terms of confidence. Do introverts tend to be less confident than most? Or, you know, is how's that kind of split for an introvert versus an extrovert? I think it's a different kind of confidence. I think everyone, introverts versus extroverts, like we all struggle in some ways with confidence. But there's these uh, myths about introverts that we are un very unconfident. If we buy into that myth and we don't work mm. on developing our confidence, then we're going to start shrinking ourselves to fit into that extrovert society. And we're going to have coping mechanisms like hiding or like staying in your house or not going out because you need that alone time. But it's also like a hiding mechanism. Like I'm not confident to go out there again to like to go to this party or to go to this networking event or to speak up at a meeting, to post my opinions on social media, all these ways that you can share your voice and stand up for yourself are ways that you can increase your confidence. So the more you do that versus hiding 
yourself and your gifts and your message, the more you can stand up for yourself, the better functioning in an extroverted society you can be. I just watched the Naomi Osaka docuseries on Netflix. Did you watch that, Sarah, by chance? I didn't watch the docuseries, but I know I follow tennis. So I know kind of a little bit about her story. Yeah. Yeah, which it's cool because, um, you know, that sort of also brought up the Simone Biles conversation, but just mental health in general. But the thing that was really interesting about her was just being clearly an introvert in the public eye and how being in the extrovert world that it comes off like a lack of confidence or being overly uh, like being quieter, like not wanting to take risks or put yourself at like all of these, what I consider to be myths. But in actuality, I think that when she had to put herself in so many situations that were against her energy rhythm or her energetic trait, like you called it, that's what took a toll so much on her mental health. And I think that it's just a really important thing that that docuseries didn't really call it out so much. It wasn't really talking about the energetic trait, but it was very clearly observed throughout. And I'm just wondering, like, what are some other things about being an introvert in an extrovert world? Like, what are ways for you and other introverts to operate in a healthy way that it doesn't take more of a toll than not? It's totally planning. You have to plan rest when you're an introvert. And that's one of the things that I teach. Like, like one of my nightly routines is looking at tomorrow's schedule and thinking like, well, I want to get a walk in because walking to me is, is a form of rest. Like it's moving meditation for me. So I'm like, well, where am I going to get that in tomorrow? Because I don't, I can't plan it out like a week in advance, just how things shift around. But so like, like these nightly routines I go through and I ask myself these questions like, okay, well, I have three meetings back to back to back tomorrow. So I need to get out. Like I need downtime after that. So it's taking these breaks and allowing yourself to decompress when you have that busy schedule that, that allows introverts to have energy, like at the end of the day to function well. Well, and it seems obvious to me, like as an extrovert, the way that we replenish our energy is to be around other people. So you mentioned walking and building in that rest time is what are other like introverted activities that can fill your cup? So uh, reading is one of the big ones I default to. Um, I love reading. A lot of introverts are like very creative people. So they lean towards the artistic side. So painting or drawing or some kind of artistic activity. Exercise, I do believe, is a rest or recovery activity, surprisingly enough. Like Mary, we talked about this on Clubhouse, but Andrea, one of our fellow co-mods is a personal trainer. And she, so she works out as part of like a recovery strategy. So <laughs> just having nothing on the calendar. Like I love that. Like if I look at my Saturday <laughs> calendar and I'm like, Oh, I don't have to do anything. There's nothing on the calendar. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. That gives me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel good. <laughs> You're to you must be an ambivert, David. Like, I, cause I'm sitting here and I mean, the running joke in my household is like, oh, she fills up every minute. And mind you, honestly, this last year with the pandemic, I started to really realize that I needed more time and space and slowing down. So even though I am an extrovert, I was also just such a high stimulation seeker that my body was like not really keeping up with what I think I wanted or what was filling me up. And that one of the tricks that I've been doing now that my friends and people that I work with have liked is that when I schedule a meeting, I immediately go into my calendar and I put 
a minimum of a 30 minute to a 60 minute block after a meeting and it is titled breathe. And so <laughs> it looked, so now while well, my calendar always looks full cause it is full, but to me, what used to be full was eight meetings a day where I had no time in between. And if one meeting ran over, I was never giving myself that transition or grace period. And that's been something that I've only been consistently doing for the last two weeks. And it's been saving me even as clearly an extrovert that's off the charts. That's awesome. Yeah, I hear so many extroverts who actually say they need to slow down a little bit, not like fully, but yeah, so that comes down to planning, planning breath time, breathing time. But what happens to introverts when they don't give themselves that downtime and it's like constantly busy, busy, busy is we then experience the introvert hangover, which feels like burnout, but it's sporadic. It's not like it's chronic thing where like when I get it, I can't even think straight. Like I feel like I'm hungover, like an actual hangover, but it has nothing to do with alcohol. It's just being completely exhausted, like brain fog. I can't think straight. I can't even function. Like writing an email is impossible. So, and that's when all productivity ceases. So, so much of what I teach is protecting your energy by planning. So you don't hit that introvert hangover. Well, and Mary, when I heard you just describe that too, I felt like there was almost like a growth in knowing that you are an extreme extrovert. There's a growth in a couple things. One, learning some healthy rhythms that introverts have taught you through some time lately, but also savoring those moments. So it's, you're still making these connections with all these people, but instead of eight of them, cutting it even in half to four, and there's more of a savor and sacredness to those meetings and those relationships or whatever those are. So I kind of, and I feel like part of my journey being that ambivert, it has that tendency, like what are the things that I'm learning as strengths in introverted world that I can cling to? And, you know, the reality is I'm hearing that also. And like, uh, yeah, I need to add some breath time whenever I schedule a meeting too. So I think that there's a lot of things that we can maybe learn from each other. One of the things that I've Curious, like you said, myth earlier, and it seems like that's one of the things that we're kind of talking about is there are all these common myths. What are some maybe uncommon myths about being an introvert? We've said how I'm an extrovert, and uh, I used to say that I was an introvert that played really well in an extrovert world because for me, the reason why I said that is because I craved those couple hours a week where I could truly be by myself, where I could be for me riding a bike and be in my own head for a little bit. A myth that I bought into is that extroverts never like to be alone. So it's more that no, extroverts can't be alone. And really for me, as I had learned to kind of embrace my extrovertedness, it was more that how much I process information out loud with other people throughout the whole day. And really that is this energy that I'm clinging to and require to just think. But so what are maybe uncommon myths about being an introvert that you can kind of unmystify? Well, I feel that it, maybe this is a common one. So stop me if you've heard this, but that all introverts are shy. But I want to flip it that it's uncommon because plenty of introverts are not shy and they're two different things. So shy is, is a fear-based characteristic. And if you're shy, you can actually overcome that. Whereas introversion is a natural born trait and you can learn skills to, to develop weaknesses, as I put that in air quotes, and personally develop. But not all introverts are shy. And, you, and like I said, you can overcome shyness and become confident just as even if you're not shy, you can still increase your confidence. So how you show up in this world is you can't hold yourself back just because you're an introvert because it doesn't work that way. <laughs> So how do you coach 
your fellow introverts in not holding themselves back? Because I feel like that's so easy to say, but when you're born with something, it can feel like you're swimming upstream. So there's two things. Part of it is doing the mindset work and overcoming self-limiting beliefs, working through those. And the other is that you are working on developing skills that are just outside of your comfort zone. A lot of people think, or a lot of introverts will think, I have to really push myself. And if they're scared or fearful of video and they don't want to do video, they'll just force themselves to go live on Facebook or whatever. They'll force themselves to do it, then get the introvert hangover because it completely (laughs) burned them out. But that was too far of a step outside the comfort zone where you need, where just doing like a 10 second reel, for example, on video versus this whole live video on Facebook would have been a smaller step. So it's finding the doable, the slightly scary, but still exciting activities that will push you outside your comfort zone rather than taking this huge leap outside your comfort zone and then, you know, killing your energy after that. Yeah. One of the things that I also learned, especially about Work environments, which I feel like a lot of times work environments and work relationships, a lot of those those things can be applied to personal relationships too. If not, they're some of the best tips that I've learned or tools that I've learned because you have to be in somewhat of a contained environment with work. So when you take it to a, a safer thing, it actually can be more potent. Is that introverts process differently and oftentimes independently. So That can mean that it goes back to your whole big thing about processing and planning and that if they don't have time to process, so let's say that there's a spontaneous meeting that pops up at at work and there's not been an agenda prior or even an understanding of like what you're going to be talking about, that what that means is that you're not really building up the introvert to be able to show up fully in that way and I feel like it can be the same thing in like friends and family where spontaneous gatherings may be more anxiety producing rather than a space where they can completely arrive. You know, I feel like the ability to plan is not an extrovert versus introvert thing. So I have a lot of extroverts that are poor planners, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so I'm wondering what are some things that you do as an introvert to either advocate for planning, set boundaries, or show up when things happen spontaneously? I feel like you can go two ways in a, in a work setting. So there's so many articles about out there about how extroverts can work with introverts. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah, we, we need some special considerations. But at the same time, it does go back to that confidence that I was talking about. Like we need to speak up and stand up for ourselves a little bit more. So in a meeting, if let's say you're in a meeting, a group brainstorming type of meeting, and you're as an introvert, you haven't gotten the agenda ahead of time or discussion points or whatever. So the typical introvert is probably going to sit back and listen and absorb it all. And we'll definitely have thoughts and opinions. And there's a couple suggestions I have. So the, the leader of the meeting at the end of the meeting can ask the introvert for their thoughts. And the introvert will either freak out and hide because they're not confident <laughs> in speaking up, or they will have had that time to process what they're thinking and be able to, to vocalize it at the end of the meeting. The other thing the introvert can do, because the extroverts are trying their best, right? I feel like the ones who really care are trying their best to work with the introverts and the introverts need to help kind of step up too. So the other thing the introvert could do is say, I need a little more time to process this and think this over and I'll give you my best feedback tomorrow morning or 
in an hour. But yeah, so I feel like it goes it goes two ways that if if you're confident as an introvert, like I, I have no problem like speaking up in, in a meeting, I'll do it throughout the meeting because I've developed that. But I didn't used to do that. So it's it's a matter of develop the confidence first so that you can say what you want to say, because we do all have our thoughts and opinions just like anybody else. Do you think it's important to be explicit with others about being an introvert? You know, I've, I've thought about that in kind of like when I'm writing various things. I, I feel like in job interviews or somewhere along that hiring line or early, you know, you just started this new job. I really feel like some sort of personality assessment so that, it's, so that everybody kind of knows what playing field we're on really would be helpful. My only concern is that when you are explicit with whether you're introvert or extrovert, you're opening it up to someone's perception of what that means, which I think would almost mean that if you say, hey, I'm an introvert, then that person is going to, could potentially, and being that these are, well, I don't know, that these myths exist for a reason, right? Some of these themes that have been put out there, that the assumption would then be that. So then it puts on the introvert to explain even beyond that I'm an introvert and uh, you know, I'm this, this, and this. And it just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious if that's like a productive tool or not, or if it, all it does is, is serve generalizations. Yes. I totally agree with you and see where you're coming. I feel like it has to be somewhere along that line, like that we learn about how you best perform at work rather than waiting a whole entire year. And then you get this performance appraisal and it's like, you need to speak up more. And then a whole year later, you're like, well, I'm an introvert. So yeah, help yeah. me. <laughs> You've wasted an entire year, you know, any of that performance appraisal or any, I mean, I'm just thinking any relationship really even. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I just heard you say too, is that in a lot of ways it is on the introvert to step up, to embrace that, to learn a little bit, to become more confident, to learn how to speak up, to learn how to be less shy, you know, and, and even hearing kind of this work scenario, I think you can set yourself up to be vulnerable and maybe it still needs to be on the introvert to say, Hey, like the reason why I'm not speaking up is because I'm an introvert, but I've been processing for three days and I want to follow up with this thing that was said in a meeting. So the initiative maybe does need to still weigh in on the introvert because there's a minority there. But, you know, I think one of the questions I have, especially as someone who's trying to create inclusive environments as an extrovert, what can I be doing to come to the table to create that safe space for an introvert to even know that they're safe? I think it's just having the understanding that people, and this goes for anybody, but people are going to operate differently from you and finding out how they operate kind of early on goes a long way. But yeah, creating the safe space for introverts. Yeah. I, again, like it, it makes me think, well, we need to be more vocal about that. What is a safe space? Because it's probably different for me than it is for another introvert. And that's where those myths all start coming in, you know? (laughs) So it's tough because everyone's still going to be a little bit different. But I mean, I think an introvert feels safe when their opinion is is valued and that and the expectations are set, right? Like that I'm not going to come out to every single event that you, you know, that you create and that team building events where I have to be out after work on a Friday night after a long day is is really going to further drain me and I'm not going to probably enjoy that. I feel like a lot of introverts are like mandatory group trainings or mandatory team events are like really t- taxing on our energy. So min- minimizing yeah, those. Totally. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And that that's not a sign of, of apathy, right? So it just goes right. back to the whole thing that like, yeah, having boundary and having options that cater to different energetic systems is ultimately what my big takeaway. And another huge takeaway is the fact that David's an ambivert. Because <laughs> <laughs> I started this conversation with the fact that you are that there are two extroverts to speak to one introvert. And now I feel like we're actually representing extrovert, ambivert, and hey, introvert. Yeah, the whole third place is not this Yay. or that, but this and that, right? <laughs> I'm the ends. <laughs> yeah, he's just sitting in that and space. You're just leaning in both directions. Leave it to David. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I've loved this. And I think that this is a great you know, touching on how, especially I think you coming in to be on a podcast as an introvert too, is just you modeling how to show up and be a part of what you're coaching others in. And that maybe this wasn't fully, you know, wasn't really uh, with the grain when it comes to your energetic cup too. And I think that that's really cool that you're modeling it and we appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, it's a skill that I've developed, and I do try to to be that role model. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna tell people to put yourself out there to be confident, that I need to show that as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're talking all the time about in the third place about how we're good with awkward conversations, and so the universe keeps supplying <laughs> us with plenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and your work too to to kind of be a pioneer to show other introverts how to do it, but lead by example, I think is just really important. So I appreciate your energy and efforts with that. Yeah, thank you. So where can we connect with you? Because, you know, I do know that there's going to be a lot of this introverts listening and are going to want to learn, you know, how to uh, embrace these different tools and how to kind of make adjustments and learn different styles to kind of embrace their introvertedness. My website is introvertsemerge.com. And that's also my Instagram handle and my uh, Facebook handle. So those are my three main hangouts. Well, again, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us in the third place. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Be well. The Third Place Podcast is produced by Podcast Publishing House. If you like what you're hearing, follow us and subscribe at all of your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify. Also check out the episodes on our website, thirdplacepodcast.com for additional resources and transcriptions of our episodes. The Third Place is all about continuing the conversation, so make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Third Place Podcast. There you can check out our weekly co-host Happy Hours on IGTV. And if you like what you're hearing and want to continue to support our work, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash thirdplacepodcast.